0: Pioneer Church, based in Loughborough in the UK. Our mission is to make disciples to establish heaven on earth. So this morning we, we're just um, starting to to look at the sort of nuts and bolts of of Mark as a book. And last week we had a great introduction to the Gospel of um, of Mark, and this week we are talking about announcing. The revolution, which is Jesus Christ, which is the, ma- the message that Jesus is coming as King. And uh, last week we heard that um, Mark is probably one of the first of the gospel writers. He primarily writes to the unbelievers, to the church in Rome. And it's, it's a vivid, it's, it's dramatic, it's an emotional style almost. It's fast paced, it's straight in there. And there's almost like no messing You know, the writer doesn't name himself. And um, the whole attention of the book is on Jesus. He is coming. He's coming soon. Get ready. And, uh, And that is just a really powerful message. And with Mark, you get in and it's not as if, you know, I'm, I'm presenting a debate. I'm, I'm presenting a discussion. Straight away, there's an announcement of who it is. He's not going for the genealogy. He's, he's actually going straight into the message. And the message is the good news of Jesus Christ, that our sins are forgiven, that we belong to the family of God, and that one day we will be in heaven with him and that there will be victory over sin, death and hell. And he is announcing this revolution. And the revolution is Jesus Christ. And then um, when we look at that definition of revolution it's it's a sudden or a complete change. It's it's a radical and pervasive change in society and social structure. That's how we sort of view a revolution it's it's overthrowing something and replacing it of a, it's replacing like an established situation or structure or government or system and the people that were governing it it's it's sudden and it's revolutionary <laughs> it's transforming it's powerful it's changing and uh, david wenham the british theologian he announces that with jesus christ the revolution is here The revolution has arrived. And for those of you who are going through the book of Mark, the Bible study that we've got. I don't know if we've still got some books left. Um, You're welcome to get that and join with some people. Do a personal study, join with some others and study. Just go through that book there. And what he is saying is that God is providing an answer. God is making a way. God is taking control of an earth that has gone out of control. God is making his way through Jesus Christ. And his arrival is both disruptive and dramatic. I love this quote by um, John Aldridge. And he says this. It's a challenging one. (laughs) We've made elevated music out of Jesus Christ. We've made him boring, bland, And a blah person. And yet Jesus was the most revolutionary man that ever walked the earth. And there's a challenge there is that sometimes we've made Jesus so nice. That actually we've lost that that power. We've lost that image of the revolution. We've lost that point that actually Jesus came to change the whole world and he did it with a gentleness. He did it with, with love. He did it with kindness. He did it with patience. He did it with passion, but he did it with power and he did it with authority. And I think there's just something about us recognising who Jesus was. And he came to bring transformation in a way that no one else has ever done so I wonder this morning can we come to this passage with fresh eyes with you know come to this message with just an openness to see it and say God what are you actually saying here to us because Jesus didn't conform to expectations he came he challenged culture he he challenged practice he challenged beliefs and yet he did it in such an incredible way And so we're going to look at this passage of Mark 1, verses 1 to 15. We're going to look at some of the roles, some of the responsibilities that people played and acted out in this situation. And then we're going to come back to a challenge at the end, is that actually, what's our response? What does our response need to be? What's our response to the message that the King is coming? The time is close. And how we act that out in life. So I don't know if we've got the... Oh, it is... Is working, yes. Thank you. Sorry, the tally isn't working it through me a little. So Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 15, and I'll read that here. We can read it together. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah has written. Look. I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist, and he was in the wilderness, and he preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. And all of Judea, including all of the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather bent around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. He wasn't a normal type of guy. John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I. It's important to note that John had gained a following of his own. People were hearing what this man had to say. And they were were intrigued by it. They were excited by it. And John announced, but someone is coming soon who's greater than I. So much greater than I. I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. And I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. And one day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. I love that. It's like as if Jesus just plops along one day. And yet we know it's far more intentional than that. And one day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and John baptised him in the Jordan River. And as Jesus came out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. And the Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. And he was out amongst the wild animals and the angels took care of him. And later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. And the time promised by God had come at last. He announced the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Father, I pray that we will come again with fresh eyes to this. God, I pray particularly that you challenge us, that you prompt us with what our response needs to be to your powerful word. Amen. So here we have, we've got Mark and he's straight in. He's straight in with the words, this is this one. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God. It's almost like, stop the press. There's a significant story here. It's good news. It's Jesus. And there would have been this intrigue, this possible excitement. They would have known the word Messiah. The Jews would have known that throughout um, their history. They would have heard the stories. In fact, straight away, Mark comes in and he he quotes Old Testament Scripture. He quotes Old Testament prophecy. And he, he validates his announcement that Jesus is the Messiah and he's coming. And he quotes Isaiah 40, verse 3, which says this, I will send my messenger ahead of you, you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. There's something we've got to do. You see, John comes and he, he announces, John the Baptist is the messenger. Mark is acknowledging John's ministry. He's saying, this is the voice. This is the one spoken about in Isaiah. This is the one spoken about in Malachi. Look, I'm sending my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will come suddenly to his temple. The messenger of the covenant with whom you are so eagerly is surely coming. And who says that? the Lord of heavenly armies. Some versions say the Lord Almighty. It isn't just any old voice. This is God from heaven saying and prophesying through his prophets that this person is coming. This one is bringing the message. He's preparing the way. And what John tells us is this, make straight the path, clear the road, get ready for the King is coming. And then, this is John the Baptist and there's a we heard some strange things about him, how he looked, what he wore. Well, he wasn't a norm of the day. He lived out in the wilderness. He chose this sort of aesthetic life. He had a life of complete self-discipline. And he, he, you know, he's, he didn't take up luxuries and that. He was absolutely, there was a message. He was sold out for this message. I have to prepare the people. That is my role. That's my function. That is what I've got to do. And he takes that so seriously, this voice. Crying in the wilderness, the Messiah is ready. He's coming, get ready. And that would have been a normal thing if the king was coming to a county, to a, to a country, to a town, to a village. They would send the messenger ahead. And they would say, get ready, the king is coming. And part of that preparation is they'd prepare the roads. They'd fill in the potholes. They'd, they'd clear the rubble. They'd make sure that the chariot, that the horses could pass through. Because it was a sign of respect. It was a sign of, you know, we're making a way. We are welcoming. We are preparing for the king to come. And John is encouraging people to do that to his, you know, in, in their lives. Get ready. The king is coming. Get ready to trust him. I can remember when I was a little girl, it was the, the silver jubilee of, of the queen. And there's a, I found a picture of myself, actually. I'm, I'm the one in the little pink dress. I think I was Little Miss Muppet or Bo Peep, one or the other, my sister was the other. But we had street parties and we painted the curbs of the, the pavement red, white, and blue. Does anybody remember that? There's a couple of people. Thank you for owning up to that. But there was something about, you know, we had flags, we had bunting, we were excited. I didn't really understand. I just knew there was a party and the queen was coming. And I can remember going, walking a couple of streets away from where we lived. And it was the main road through our town. And And there she came in with her entourage. And all I can remember is a, she had a bright yellow coat or hat or something. That's pretty much as much as I can remember. But there was a lot of preparation Because the king was coming. And it's exactly the same principle with John the Baptist. He's saying the king's coming. Get ready. The Messiah is coming. And he has this message that the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is coming. He preached repentance. He preached about sin. He preached about getting ready Ian and I went on this this walk yesterday, and we went to this garden and they had this cross in the garden and um, it was called a garden of repentance this particular bit and around the the base of the the cross they put this um slurry I think it was um, that came from like an iron ore place you can tell i 'm not very good with jargon in this sphere um, but what, the thing was that they, they surrounded the cross of it because they were trying to reflect that actually sin makes a noise. There's a, and as we walked around the cross and we walked up to it, there was a, we were conscious of the crunching. We were conscious of the noise. We were conscious of what God is, you know, that God was making me aware of, of what was under my feet. And I can remember saying, God, I stood and I said, God, don't ever allow me to make sin quiet in my life let there be a noise let me understand let me feel it let it impact me so that I know when I'm walking on the wrong stuff that I can hear it that I can sense it why? because we can do something about it when we're aware of it and that's what John's saying he's saying get yourself ready because the king's coming the king's coming and that's what his message of repentance he was baptizing people in in the river saying we're going to wash you of your sins we're going to you know we're going to cleanse we're going to get clean and that was the message that he's brought but he came with a message saying that you know you might think I'm okay he'd grow, he'd built a following But he's always I love this about John he's always pointing to Jesus and saying but he's the one you got to watch he's the important one and we mustn't lose that there that that thing that Jesus is coming that Jesus is here and and that Messiah is doing something incredible in our lives and he's revolutionary he's going to change things he's going to change the way we do faith he's going to change our belief system he's going to come and he's going to do things that are counter-cultural he's going to be revolutionary if we allow him in our lives if we allow that voice to speak he's telling the people you're living in a spiritual wilderness and encouraging them to come out and say, listen, listen to this man. He's got some good stuff to say. And then Jesus walks in and he, he comes out of, of Nazareth and he comes to where John the Baptist is baptizing people. And it talks about Jesus' baptism several times in the Gospels. And his role and his response is this, even though he is greater than John, he surrenders himself and he says, I want to come and I want to be baptized. He's humble enough to receive ministry with everyone else. I was in a church a little while ago and, and, and there was an invitation for prayer. And, and the pastor had preached and, and the leader, he'd spoken. And then he, he recognized he was the first for prayer. And I thought, there's something here. There's something about what we model there's something about integrity. There's something about being willing to say, Hey, I need this. And, and Jesus came and He He surrenders to, to John and, and He says, I want to be baptized. And John quite rightly is like, Well, but you're greater than I, and you're bigger than I. And, and you know, why do you need to be baptized? But John Jesus comes and he says it should be done. In Luke 4, he says it should be done because that's what God requires. And in that moment, Jesus models submission and he models submitting to God's prophet in, in John. He models that actually I'm willing to surrender. I'm willing to come under authority of what God has wants. And I love Jesus' response in that moment. Because the baptism of, of John was a baptism of repentance. But then the baptism that Jesus was going to bring was actually the baptism of welcome into the kingdom of God, welcome into a new kingdom. It was a, a baptism of inclusion, of power, of life, and of purpose. So we have, we have Mark's response. The message is important. Let's get there. We have John's response. And John is like, the king is coming. Let's get ready. Prepare ourselves. Then we have a part of Jesus' response is that he comes with a humility. He knows who he is. He knows his call. He knows what he's there to do. But he's prepared to go through the process. To go through what's required of him in a submissive, in in a beautiful way. And then we get heaven's response. Jesus gets baptized, He goes down into the water, and then he, he comes back up, and the response of heaven is, is monumentous it 's it's rapturous. It's, it comes from that, that word, that Greek word if I get it right now. Schizomenus, whatever it is, you can see it there. But it means that the, the heavens are, are torn open. They're split apart. There's a breaking out. They rend together. They rend out. They, there's a division. There's a sunder. There's something that happens in the heavenlies where God and heaven respond that there's my son. It's groundbreaking what Jesus is doing right there in that moment. And then we get this beautiful, we have this powerful commanding display in the firmaments, but then we get this, this passionate verbal affirmation of who Jesus is to God. And we get this beautiful voice coming out of the heavens. It says, You are my son, whom I love, and I am well pleased. And I just love. That whole part of that. And again, what Mark is quoting, what God is saying is coming back to what has been said and prophesied in the Old Testament. I love how Mark just links it all together. How God ordains that actually he's going to fulfill his word and there will be confirmation and affirmation of that. The heaven's response is, he is here. The son of God has come. He says in Psalm 2 verse 7, you are my son today and I have become your father. And Isaiah 42 verse 1 says, look at my servants whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me and I have put my spirit upon him. And he will bring justice to the nations. He wasn't just coming to make all things nice. He's coming to make things right. He's coming to make a difference. He's coming to right many wrongs. He's coming to bring justice. And he's coming to make a way. And there's this father's announcement. That's my boy. You know, I'm proud of him. And he's going to bring that incredible justice. And Amad repeats that that. Those words, the son of God. This is who Jesus is. He repeats it several times throughout scripture where he recognizes that Jesus is the son of God. There's just a few examples there. This isn't just a man who's walked out of the desert. This isn't just any old person. This is he. This is the king. This is the Messiah. Watch out for him. And there's this beautiful, we have the powerful response of heaven. The, the breaking apart, the, the firmaments declare. Then we've got this passionate verbal affirmation. And then we get this peaceful, tender descent of the Holy Spirit. As the dove comes and anoints him with the Holy Spirit. And brings that anointing of inclusion that anointing of power, that anointing of life and that anointing of purpose. And it just reminds me how how Jesus is described as as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And yet he's also described as the lamb of God. And we see right in that heaven's response the whole spectrum of the power, of the passion and the peace of God right there in those moments. And it just delights me just those few words and we let me just come back as we come to land in just Jesus's response you see the people were respecting the king on the horse with the chariots and the armies and yet he comes as the servant king which in itself is revolutionary this is not what they expected this is completely different He comes as the servant king. He comes to die for the sins of the world. He comes to take our place. He comes to put rights wrong. It's not what they expected of the Messiah, but that was his role. That was his responsibility. That was his revolutionary behavior. He came in a completely different way. He came with an an attitude of submission, and servanthood he came to be baptized with everybody else, even after the affirmation and the the anointing immediately he sent out by the spirit into the wilderness. He sat there with the wild animals with with the angels with him, but he got on with his mandate for life. he knew his purpose, he knew what he was doing, and he was going to run with that. That was part of his story there's no nonsense, there's no fat, he gets on with what he's there to do, and to, that's to, just, to die for the sins of you and I. So he comes, Jesus comes with the submission and the servanthood, but he comes with this incredible aspect of whilst he does that, he acts and he speaks with clear authority, and he leads, and he leads incredibly. And I love in, in Luke chapter 4 where it talks about Jesus coming out of the wilderness. It says he went in. He was sent in by the Spirit. There was no like time to catch a breath here. It was straight in there to deal with some stuff. To set who he was. To claim that authority over the enemy. And then it says he walks out in power. He walks out in the power of the Spirit. He knew who he was. His first words when he comes out, uh, he speaks uh, from Isaiah chapter 61. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has sent me to rise up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captive, to release the darkness for the prisoners. He knew exactly what he was coming to do. And his words are, The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. What was the good news? He is here. He is here. There's a spiritual arm. There's a kingdom of God. But they were expecting a political revolution. And sometimes this is not that. And sometimes we, we come and, and it looks counter contrary. How we, we're called to work. How we're called to be. And we just need to listen to the voice of God. God, how do you want me to be in a given situation? Because they expected the king on the horse wielding and, and bringing, you know, like surrender and, and, you know, casting down things and bringing, bringing authority in a, in a very aggressive, almost, you know, in that military style. That's what they expected because that's what they knew. And God says, no, it's different. I'm coming with authority, absolute Authority but I'm coming with a submission. I'm coming with a servanthood. I'm doing it a different way. There's a different way to do things and that's exactly what he does. I love how he comes out of that wilderness filled with the the spirit, straight away faces oppression in Luke chapter four. Faces that oppression, but he walks straight through it. Why? Because he knows who he is, whose he is, and what he's there for. And that's a response that's really important. That's a a knowledge that we need as as followers of Jesus. We need to know who we are, what we're called to, what our mandate is. So then when the open cushion comes and like Jesus, they're trying to push him off the cliff. He ain't bothered by that because he's filled with the spirit. I know who I am. I know my calling, I know my mandate, and I'm going to walk straight through that. I'm not going to listen to their noise, but I'll be aware of the noise that I create. I'll be aware of the stuff where I'm going wrong. I'll be aware of all of those things. And he walks right through because he has this clear mandate, this clear authority, and he's revolutionary absolutely revolutionary. The good news of the gospel, Jesus is the Messiah. He came in to die in our place. We are forgiven. He brings us back into relationship. We mentioned that earlier. Brings us back into relationship with God, into that family of God, that one day we will live in heaven with him. There'll be victory over sin and death and hell. And there's only one way to enter that place. And that's through Jesus Christ. Through belief in who he is, through asking for that forgiveness, by coming to that cross, being aware of the noise of our sin, and actually saying, God, I want it your way. I want to surrender to you. I believe you are the Messiah. I believe you're the King of kings. I want to prepare my heart before you. I want to surrender my ways to your ways. And I want to live a life that's full of you. Somebody once said that Jesus didn't die as a frustrated, failed revolutionary, his death was the revolution. And that's the same today. Jesus was and is revolutionary. He's changed my life. He's changed so many lives in this room. He has revolutionized who we are. He is wanting us to grow and to be more and more like him. He's wanting us to fulfill the mandates he has for each of our lives. His birth, his life, his message, his death, his resurrection. Our mandate is revolutionary. Martin Luther says this, like the early Christians, we must move into a sometimes hostile world armed with the revolutionary gospel of Jesus Christ. With this powerful gospel, we shall boldly challenge the status quo. I know that part of open heaven is that we're here to call out the giftings in you to see the gold in you, to, to help you find what God's mission is for your life, your role in his story, and to see you grow into that, into its fullness, and to, to reap all that you're meant to be in him. And that's exactly what Martin Luther, come on, let's be revolutionary. Let's change that law. Let's, let's move in that way. Let's make a difference. Let's be a stand in that situation. Leonard Ravenhill, he's a, he's a theologian and an evangelist and very much speaks into prayer and, and revival and challenges Western thinking and, and wants us to think about what the early church was like. He said these things, these words, the most radical thing. Listen, if a man is really born again of the Spirit of God, it's the most radical thing this side of eternity. He becomes a new creature. He has a new mind and a new heart and there's something about our response today is that God make us submissive make us servant-hearted give us the authority let we walk in the fullness of who we are in you let us change things for your glory let's be that cog in the wheel that we need to be let's not step back when we need to step forward Let's not live in fear when we need to be in faith. Let's walk out different things. Let's move in what God has got us, got for us. There's a quote and I hope it doesn't offend you, but I think the the gospel in a way is is offensive and revolutionary when Jesus came. And there's this this little quote that I've been looking at this last couple of weeks and it says this, life is 10% of what happens to you and it's 90% how we react to it. Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% of how we react to it. That's challenging. That doesn't negate. And please don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that what has happened to you isn't important, hasn't hit hasn't caused pain. What I'm saying is that God is bigger and God is faithful. And if he's the king and if he's coming to revolutionize our lives, if he's ready with a, a, and bringing a story of incredible hope, of grace, of power, of mercy, then actually if we take that as read, then what we do with the 10% doesn't rule our lives. Actually, it empowers it. And it causes us to say, that's not okay. And it causes us, as has happened in this church, to start charities, to speak out, to stand up, to say, I'm not going to settle for that anymore. So we can choose, guys, to live in offense and live as victims, or we can choose today to be revolutionary and take that message of Jesus Christ and say, actually, I need it for me, and and I say all of this, and I hold it with the tension that it's okay to slow down to navigate through the fog. But when the fog clears, we need to be ready to go again. Is that all right? It's a, it's a tension that we live with, but actually, we have a mandate for life. There are people who need to hear the gospel, who need to see. Louise, Louise Jarvis brought a word last week is that we're blessed to be a blessing. And the world and people in Lepra and the world need to see strong people, strong faith. They need to see a hope in Jesus Christ. We need to make sure we're preparing who we are, where we're at. Let's get healed where we need healing. Let's have hope where we need hope. And let's move on where we're ready to start fires in other places, good fires, if you know what I mean, (laughs) is that actually we can be part of that revolution. So the guys are going to come back and um, bring some worship for us. And the lessons, there's a message there for us. We need to be prepared in and of ourselves. If we need healing, we need hope, then that God is here for us today for that we need to be prepared. If we need time, that's absolutely okay. But if we know we need to be moving on something, let's move. If we know that God is stirring something in our hearts, let's move with it. Let's, let's put that into action. And there'll be people here in this room who are at different places. That's absolutely fine. But we need to know where we're at as individuals and let's support one another to do that. Not just so that we're whole and we're healed, but so that we can make a difference to that neighbor, to that family member, to that that work colleague, to, you know, the, the person in the doctors and the reception. And so that we're able to make a difference in our lives and in the lives of others. And that we model out just like Jesus did. He modeled incredibly there were times when he spoke with clear authority. He spoke, you know, with firmness and a directness. There are other times when he brought compassion and he brought, you know, he was more care, more gentle in his aspect. That's because different situations demand different aspects of us. But the main thing is that we're responding to God and we are surrendered to him and saying, God, what is it for now? Where are we at right here? That we live out lives that preach the gospel without words that fulfill his purposes.